Hey everybody, welcome to a new edition of the All Rise podcast from Front Page Detectives. We're excited to have you here as we approach the holiday season. I'm Editor-in-Chief Alex Lang, and I'm joined by... Doug Montero. He's one of our reporters. He helps out on some stories. Um, He likes to get hung up on the phone, so if you want to just hang up on somebody because you're mad, feel free to call Doug. He's used to it. Don't worry, I'll be calling you. If Doug's calling you, it's a bad day. That's what I always tell people. That's true. Uh, for whatever reason, if you see it's Doug Montero on your uh, caller ID, just just run. It's not a good day for you. Something's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're in trouble. Yeah. Speaking of not a good day, uh, how was your Thanksgiving holiday recently, Doug? It was pretty good. I didn't get arrested. I didn't get into any fights. It was all. It was pretty good, and I gained some weight. It was beautiful. I agree. Nothing more I love than leftover Thanksgiving. You know, eating it into the early holiday season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the older, the better. I, I, You know, something about leaving something in the refrigerator for a day or two gives it more flavor for some reason. I can agree with that. I also think it's uh, the release of stress from cooking, right? Like, you can just actually enjoy it more yeah. or sit there and have a meal, and you're not picking at it as you cook it, everything. Um, I will agree. I do like it more day two kind of thing on Thanksgiving. I know. I know. But you hit on a key thing we want to talk about here at All Rise, um, being arrested on Thanksgiving. It's going to happen. People are arrested every day of the year. And it was the same this year, and we had your typical Thanksgiving shenanigans. Unfortunately, some of those shenanigans aren't so funny. They involve murder. Um, We've had a few that we've uh, featured on Front Page Detectives um, in our coverage. But we had one that kind of came to light a few days after Thanksgiving, even though it happened on Thanksgiving, that got a little nutty. You want to tell the people about it, Doug? Sure. But let me ask you something. Do you think that these Thanksgiving incidents all are alcohol-related because everybody's celebrating Thanksgiving or they're watching the football game or something like that? Some of them are alcohol-related. I do think some of them probably get played up because of the fact you can tie the holiday, right? It gives you a reason to write about it. Uh, yeah. Family members attacking family members, somebody chasing somebody with a, a, a turkey drumstick and hitting the other person. Um, they're good fodder for media. So I think that adds to it as well. So it's not always alcohol that uh, brings them to light. I think some of it is just the day itself. And I'm, I'm not sure alcohol played too much in the one we're going to talk about right now. All right. So in this particular case, we got Ronald Wayne Yarborough Jr., 45 years old out of Oklahoma and he's charged with second degree murder for the stabbing death of Robert Earl Stevens age 66 his stepfather ah on Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving but here's what makes this case a little bit of wacky yep so it just seems like they were just having a normal Thanksgiving day they were in the car and for some reason, Yarborough gets pissed off because they lowered the volume on the car radio. But why were they in the car? They were coming back from the hospital, from visiting family members at the hospital on Thanksgiving. Oh. They're riding home. Well, so they were like on a good deed, maybe. Yeah, yeah going to visit friend family i think it said relatives but visit somebody in the hospital on thanksgiving make sure they're not alone on the holiday great thing but apparently something happens on this car ride um where we need to turn the volume down and apparently that really sets off mr yarborough 
Yeah, look, it says Yarborough had been drinking and became angry with Stevens for turning down the car radio. Do you think they were playing like some sort of a Christmas classic or something like that? Like- I will tell you, in my household, um, November after Thanksgiving or the next day is Christmas Palooza, right? You can kind of justify all that music and everything. You got you know, it's new. It's not. You've heard it four hundred times in the last two weeks. You haven't heard it in eleven months. It's like brand new again. So crank that baby up. But apparently, whatever music, whether it's Christmas or whatever, in this car ride, needed to be turned down. Yeah, that was the wrong choice. Yeah, because uh, once they arrived at the home, the two got into it in the front yard, no less. And that's when Yarborough stabbed Mister Stevens. Stabbed his stepdad. Huh. Yep, that's when apparently whatever happened with the radio, and I, I really hope, though, police didn't say the details and local media didn't have it either, that maybe there was something else involved and it wasn't just over the volume being turned down. Um, but they get home, the volume has set one, both of them off. They're now fighting, and then it turns deadly. Yep, and you got Yarborough, who is uh, charged with uh, first-degree murder. Yep. And uh, he's being held on a half a million dollar bond. Yeah, significant bond, significant charge. Uh, Look, we've all been in the car. We've been annoyed when somebody turned down the radio of our jam. I'm not sure any of us ever thought about murder. Um, But Mr. Yarborough went that way. Um, And he's changed his life on a holiday. He's changed his family's uh, path and everything. Obviously, the court system still has to play this one out. Uh, Maybe there's details we don't know about. Um, that will help explain what happened or why it happened. Um, but for right now, it looks like the simple act of turning down the volume led to a man's death on a holiday um, and left a man in jail to face one of the most, if not the most serious charge in every state. Alex, I think I'm going to have to do some further investigation because I really want to know what the hell the name of the song was that, that triggered this guy when they shut it off. I mean, that... That's a key question. Uh, I also want to know how, I mean, we've talked about it before, how you go from a seemingly innocuous thing or something we all experience, right? Whether it's somebody turning down the volume of something you wanted to listen to, whether it's game night and playing Monopoly and then getting mad over the game, but how these like simple life things that we all go through just devolve into a murder case. If you can explain that to me one day, how we go from what everybody experiences to what nobody should experience that's kind of my hope doug is that we get an answer to that question do you really want me to answer that question you got an answer for that one go ahead what do you got damn right i got an answer for that question society is just becoming depraved it is and uh i will share some advice i learned from a person in law enforcement very early on was don't put your values on you know, somebody who kills or somebody who's a child molester or whatever else because they don't think like you or me. So if you try to rationalize like how somebody can do it, uh, you're never going to be able to figure it out in your head. But they don't think like that. So it's a way to just create distance and not get too uh, emotionally sucked into these cases or wondering what happened or why it happened. You know, Doug, we deal with murder and terrible crimes and details every day, multiple times a day. It's something that helps just kind of push it to the side um, so you're not, like, living every crime we write about. Um, And in this case, you know, I I try to think like that because I will never understand how volume down goes to murder. 
Um, but in this case, it did. Um, and we're going to follow it here at Front Page Detectives and figure out how it all ends. Uh, if Mr. Yarbrough is uh, convicted, if he's punished, um, we'll bring you the updates in the case. You know what's sort of interesting about it is that, from my experiences, I either run across, or from my experience as a reporter interviewing murderers, they either deny doing it or they say it was an accident, right? Uh, in the early days, yes. But then you and I both know a lot of those stories change. Uh, how many of them end up in plea deals where the person admits to their crime, even with ardent denials early on uh, kind of thing. But yeah, initially, almost everybody will deny committing the crime. That's why interviewing serial killers is a little difficult because they don't readily admit to everything. They just sort of act aloof about everything. Yeah, well, there's a whole different psychology there, and we're going to make that a special episode at some point, Doug. You mean the serial killer special? Yeah, the serial killer special. Uh, It might actually need to be a a few-parter for us. All right. I like that idea. All right, everybody, there's a little bit of a tease of a future episode uh, on serial killers somehow off a volume down murder story, but that's the way we work here at the All Rise Podcast. Sometimes uh, we go off a little bit and talk about other crimes and things going on. We have a few crimes we want to talk about uh, when we come back from the break, so hang with us while we take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to Front Page Detective. Daily breaking celebrity news, free, fresh, and in your ear. Hear it first from RadarOnline.com in the Fresh Intelligence Podcast. Whether it's celebs you love or the ones you love to hate, we're bringing you the best gossip about the world's most famous and infamous three times a day. Check out Fresh Intelligence wherever you get your podcasts and visit RadarOnline.com for even more news you can't miss. This tea is piping hot. Get the latest celebrity news first and all day long with hot headlines from the okmagazine.com team. From celebrity exclusives to the must-have style and beauty picks to help you live like a star, you'll get all the deets on what's hot right now, three times a day. Listen to hot headlines from okmagazine.com wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at okmagazine.com. Podcast, and now we want to talk about a tragedy that uh, it's a cold case uh, that goes back to almost 20 years, right? 20, 20, uh, 2001, this thing happened. Um, yep, 20 years now, it's out of Oregon, and this one um, we featured here at Front Page Detectives for a lot of reasons. Uh, they'll become kind of clear as Doug tells you what's going on. Yeah, so uh, we have a 28-year-old Lonnie Kai, uh, a transgender woman who was found beaten to death um, in Oregon. And so far, investigators have no idea why the killer went after her. Yeah, I mean, Lonnie was born a man, identified as a woman. Um, was found uh, dead in women's clothing. That was typical for her. Why we don't know for sure, there's pretty good speculation on what might have happened. 
there's there's some speculation that she met a person um, and they might have become romantically involved and the person learned they that she was transgender uh, flew into a rage and then killed her and left her by the you know road or wherever she was left it's a story we've seen kind of played out in movies before yeah um, there's been plenty of plot points with somebody with a um, secret about their identity um, but this is kind of the real life version and it's 20 years old and it's unsolved and um, you know here Doug at front page detectives we highlight uh, various cold cases um, we like to bring attention to them so they don't they're not forgotten about that these families can get answers that their memories are kept alive um, so we're happy to feature any um, cold case involving any listener out there maybe it's a relative maybe it's a friend or family um, we will feature it on front page detectives feel free to reach out and send us an email at editors at frontpagedetectives.com uh, let us know what's going on we'll be in touch and we'll be more than happy to feature it um, to bring some light to it because sadly Doug there's so many cold cases and unsolved cases out there um, we're just trying to do our part a little bit to uh, help out these families and to help out these victims uh, so people know about them and and what happened yeah and what makes Lonnie's case interesting is that uh, she was last seen at a 7-eleven uh, by none other than two police officers from uh, Beaverton yeah, they asked, or, one of them at least asked if she needed help, correct? And then uh, she said no, and then sadly, maybe she did, or something happened. Because um, within hours, she was found dead. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, absolutely incredible, actually. And one of the detectives said, it's just a small window of time, and to not know, have not been able to narrow it down, figure out, who was that person who had last con- had contact with Lonnie, you know? That sounds terrible. What a horrible quote. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole the whole story is sad. I mean, it's not they're all sad. Let's just let's just be clear. All these cold cases where people aren't getting answers and people don't know what happened. They're all sad. This one just takes a little bit different of a turn um given Lonnie's background. Um you know, 2001, I mean, today we're still not super transgender um accepting in a lot of parts of the the world um but in 2001 it was even less and it sounds like that may have been a factor in why Lonnie was killed and everything basically she was marginalized uh for who she was and police haven't been able to kind of put it all together or nobody's come out with that key bit of information that allows this case to be solved so i think it's important to feature uh, so people of all backgrounds uh, gender, race, sexual orientation, uh, nationality, whatever. No, at least here at Front Page Detectives, their stories don't matter less. Um, they still need to be featured. We still need to work to find out what happened and to bring some answers to their family. But there are thousands of these uh, out there across the country. Um, I wish we could feature them all, um, but we can't. It's it, There's just too many of them. And you know what's interesting... Um you know this you know what's interesting is that this this occurred in 2001 and it was basically 3 years uh this incident occurred 3 years after the infamous Matthew Shepard case yeah do you remember that one i do 
Yeah, out of Wyoming. Yeah, I think uh, I think most people know that case. At least I would suspect a lot of our listeners are aware of that one. Um, but that's another one where a person was basically just targeted because of who they were. And in this case, it sounds like Lonnie was. Yeah, yeah, and and the brutality of it. I mean, they were saying that he uh, Lonnie was beaten over the head with a metal instrument, yeah. uh, you know, which is pretty brutal. Um, and uh, Matthew Shepard, his case was extremely uh, brutal also because they tied him to a back of a vehicle and dragged him God knows how many. Yeah, and left him tied to a fence. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're, they're terrible cases. You know, the, the classic TV trope is, you know, look at all the rage uh, there. Um it sounds like we know the, the Shepherd one, the story there. It sounds like Lonnie's case might have been one of somebody getting very angry when they learn more about her yeah. um, kind of thing. And, and it's just tragic. Uh, I mean, the whole, the whole story is tragic, but then it just adds to another layer where in 20 years you don't know who did it. They're still out there in theory. Um, they're still out there. They, they, they could be hurting others. They could be, you know, around anybody. Um, and that's what's sad about this one is is the lack of closure for somebody who, you know, and her family deserve some answers. Yes. And here's the thing. And here here is the grim statistic uh, that I was able to dig up for the past nearly 40 years from 1980 to 2019, there are. An estimated 185,000 unsolved homicides across the country. That's yeah, a lot. yeah, that's a significant number. That's a lot of dead people. Yeah. Or rather, I should say, that's a lot of families who don't have answers. Yeah. A lot of families' lives changed. A lot of families um, who still, they might have an idea, but still don't know for sure what happened, um, why their loved one is no longer here. Um I mean, 200,000 is a significant population. Yeah, yeah. And um, in, in case you're interested, California leads the tops of the list with 48,000 unsolved homicides. Uh, Illinois and New York uh, are second and third with 30,000. Then we move to uh, Texas, Michigan, and Florida. They're hovering around the 20s. And then uh, we got... Ohio and Louisiana with uh, 10,000. Louisiana is kind of strange having so much. It's it's a very small state. Well, you got New Orleans. You also have the bayou. Um, the other thing I've learned about New Orleans is that it is very close to a lot of states. It's easy to get to from Texas. Uh, it's just a short trip from Houston. It's just a short trip from Mississippi, um, Arkansas, Alabama, everything down there. You know, it's, I don't want to say it's common, um, but it, it happens from time to time where you see somebody accused of murder in somewhere in the South is then picked up in Louisiana. Um, so the fact Louisiana has a bunch of cold cases doesn't surprise me when you consider, uh, for some people, the bayou is probably a good ditching spot, we'll say, for a body or, you know, evidence. Um, but you also have some major metropolitan areas, which are just going to increase your population. New Orleans, Baton Rouge. And lead to that a little bit more. I mean, some of the states you listed there, Doug, uh, have major cities, uh, right? We know the more people you get, the more crime you're going to have. And more crime you're going to have, more murder, more murder, more unsolved. 
Um, they go all hand in hand. So none of those really jumped out at me. Um, but the numbers do. The numbers take me back on how many, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, how many victims there are out there. Because these families are victims in their own right, you know, having to live with not knowing what happened. Yes, I mean, and, and it must be horrible for these families uh, to live, you know, not knowing who killed their loved one. Yeah, yeah, it, it can't be easy. It's got to be challenging. Um, I know I have and you have talked to some of these families. Um, it's very difficult. It's very, um, you can still see the emotion, even if it's been a decade uh, kind of thing, uh, not knowing um but that isn't always the case in murder. Sometimes we know exactly who did it. Um, and Doug and I want to just talk about a story that got a lot of attention recently um, involving a known murderer. Yeah. And this one uh, kind of pisses me off, Alex. And you know me, we can't have a show without me getting a little pissed off. We should just make it a staple. Doug gets mad at, uh, at X number of minutes into every episode. Damn right. All right. Let me tell you why I'm, I'm getting a little angry over here. The boy's name is Austin Haruf. Am I pronouncing that right? Sounds good to me. Well, that, we shouldn't really care about why the, how to pronounce this kid's name because he's a 25-year-old who is accused of murdering a Florida couple. And when the police uh, barge into the house and arrest him, they find that he's nibbling on the face of one of his victims. Um... It turns out this kid was high as a kite at the time, so allegedly high as a kite, and uh, he just decided to turn cannibal. What do you think about that, Alex? Yeah, I mean, when you first read it, uh, the kind of headline on this one, right, man eats his alleged murder victim's face, um, you, you immediately go, there's got to be a mental health issue there, right? Like, who does that? Uh, I mean, who? We often ask who kills, but like that takes it to the next level. Um, then you get into the substances, and I still wonder if there's mental health issues. But it helps explain maybe um, what happened in this in this case is that um, a narcotic of some kind made somebody do s some stuff they might not normally do. Well, it turns out a Florida judge, Sherwood Bauer, down in Florida has agreed to find Haruf, or we'll just call him the cannibal, the cannibal boy, um, has agreed to find the a cannibal boy not guilty of murder by reason of insanity. And instead of sending this kid to a prison to do some hard time, they're going to ship him off to a mental hospital where he's going to be treated for his illness and eventually they're going to release him to the public. What do you think about that? I mean, in this case, there are... I mean, he's eating the face of one of his alleged victims. I think it's safe to say there's mental health issues at play. And putting somebody in prison with mental health issues often isn't good for the person involved and the prison population. So if there's true mental health issues... Getting treatment is usually a pretty good step. That said, I hope it's not like those media tropes and the person's out within a year, not really re being rehabilitated. Um, you know, the famous kind of mental health case is uh, John Hinckley, right, for, for shooting for Jodie Foster. 
but he did what like four decades in mental health and was only recently released um you would hope uh there's some caveats or the judges stay kind of on the case so it's not just a situation of okay you're all better in one year 18 months 10 years 15 years 20 years how many ever it is and you're just giving the pass back let's make sure you're in treatment until you're okay and if you're okay in such a short period of time then time to go to prison uh kind of thing well that's a very good point because if this was the case then you know i wonder if this uh judge sherwood bauer would be like hey why don't we give the son sam a, a little mental health retreat over here uh you know he he killed all these folks. He stalked all these people. But, you know, his dog was telling him to go out and murder people. You know, I mean, what kind of baloney is this with this judge? What the hell's wrong with this guy? Look, the point I'm trying to make over here, and I'm not angry. I'm just pissed. The point I'm trying to make over here is anybody who kills anybody has a mental mental health issue. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, that's a fair... I think that's fair. Okay. And therefore, anybody who kills anybody, if you want... Put them in a mental health prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know there's a lot of people who think that, and I think that's a fair thought. I think it's entirely reasonable to say, look, mental health is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, at some point, you are still responsible for all your actions uh, kind of thing. There are plenty of people with mental health issues in this country who do not kill, um, and there's severe mental health issues. Um, but... Austin here took it a step further, and I certainly understand any anger towards him seemingly being sent to a cushy facility. Though I can't imagine any mental health facility is cushy, um, but not heading to prison for really heinous allegations, you know, murder and then eating human flesh of your victims. Exactly. And, and here is the rub. And we discussed this last week, right? Mm-hmm. Was it last week or the week before that about that kid out in the, in, the, in Long Island and in, in, in the Hamptons yeah, that was a couple, Long that Island? was a couple weeks ago. That he runs over this kid yeah. and the kid dies and they just kind of gave him three months, you know, a little slap on the wrist. Oh, you know, little Joey, you know, because his family's rich. Well, it turns out that this this cannibal boy, you know, his family's well off. His dad is a dentist. And uh, according to the sister of one of the victims, uh, she put it correctly when she said, but here, a quote, but here we are opening the prison doors for a double murderer. Four words come to mind. White, rich, boy justice end quote yeah doug you and i both know the phrase perception can be reality um and in this case it doesn't help the perception um that he's white he's well to do and he seemingly gets away with not too much of a, a punishment it doesn't help any perception that he got favorable treatment because of his background and somebody with uh, a different background might not have received the same sentence. That's right. I mean, look, the bottom line is, 
If I decide to knock you off right now, and then when the police arrive, I start chewing on your face, does that mean I'm going to get to? I'm going to go to the same mental hospital as this uh, cannibal boy? I mean, in theory, that's you know, with obviously some underlying details and backgrounds needed. But yeah, in theory, that's how this should work, kind of thing. But you and I both know, not every state's the same. Not every you know arrest is the same. Not every judge is the same. Um, and it certainly seems like Austin here. Uh, might have escaped significant punishment for his mental health issues. Again, we need to treat mental health. Um, it doesn't do anybody any good to send somebody with a severe mental health problem into a prison population and say, good luck. That usually doesn't end well for a lot of different people. Um, but I'm, I'm a believer of get your treatment, and then when it's done, finish out your sentence inside a prison because there has to be a punishment aspect. Um, because as I said earlier, right, how many people have mental health issues in this country that don't commit murder? Exactly. And and here's the other thing. I mean, they keep talking about that he was under the influence of drugs and all this other stuff. I mean, think about all the people that uh, that become murderers under the influence of drugs. Yep. Yeah, it's, they, it's not a defense. Right. Know, in, in a lot of places, they won't they won't let you. It doesn't fly, we'll say, you know, whether it's not allowed in court or the jury just throws it out. Um, it's typically not a strong mitigating factor to crimes. Well, the bottom line is, Alex, if Cannibal Boy here was black, do you think he would have been uh, sent to the mental hospital or you think he would have been sent to uh, do hard time? Yeah, to be honest, I don't think he would have been sent to the mental hospital. Um, it's a sad state of affairs that you can confidently say that. Um, I would really hope it would be the same, but I think it's fair to say it wouldn't. And it just kind of goes to our legal system here in the U.S., um, where white privilege might be a little bit different than everybody else. Um, that's why I said perception doesn't help in this case, even if it had absolutely nothing to do with it. And it was the right call. The perception doesn't help in this case. And Alex, you know, this reminds me of another bologna sandwich case. Do you remember Ethan Couch? Remember that knucklehead? No, it doesn't ring a bell. Ethan Couch was some rich kid, hails from uh, the Fort Worth, uh, Texas uh, area, and, uh, you know, he was about 16 years old, got drunk. This is back in uh, 2013. He got drunk, got behind the wheel. He killed four people and injured nine while driving under the influence in Burleson, Texas. And he was eventually, in 2013, he was found guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter. And he was sentenced to 10 years of probation. 10 years of probation. Good old slap on the wrist there. But what made it even more interesting is that Ethan's lawyer argued that the boy suffered from affluenza, which is basically my parents are rich, so I could act like an asshole. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of cases of it, not just recently. It dates back uh, 100 years now. Um, we've done stories about the old affluenza cases um, where people are, are too famous, too rich to go to jail. Um, we've seen it recently, and every time, um, when you kind of learn the details, they often shock the conscious. 
Um, you're like, wait, what? Right? Like, no, it's time for prison. Being rich doesn't get you out of this. But do you think that's going to work, Alex? At In the end, I mean, do you think that, you know, even though we know it's wrong and everybody who has a brain knows it's wrong, but do you think that it's going to, uh, you know, resolve? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it will. I think it's going to be part of it. And um, I think it gets more into the people involved in the legal system. Not to say anything nefarious, but if you're well off. Right, you can afford a better attorney. The better attorney is going to find loopholes or be able to better argue your case. That's that's usually what happens um, in some of these cases, and it just kind of shows you there are two justice systems, right? One for people who can afford it, one who can't. Um, that's why when you asked earlier about you know Austin's case, if he was black, would he go to prison? I'd like to say everybody would be treated fair and justice is blind, but we know that's not the case. Well. Do you want to hear my conspiracy theory? Go ahead, Doug. We Everything's got one with you. Well, my feeling is that when you're rich, you could hire the lawyer that has influence with the judges. And I'm not talking about bribery or anything like that. Sure. I'm talking about they know each other. Yep. They could pull, you know, make a phone call and, uh, hey, Bob. And, uh, you know, have a conversation and work out deals. Yeah, you know, I was alluding to that earlier. You can hire the better attorney. He's going to know X, Y, Z. He's going to know the the rules better. He's going to have a larger staff. He's going to be able to devote more time to that that individual case versus a public defender, which might have dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of cases on their docket. Um, In these affluence cases, often the lawyers will know the judge. They hang out in the same circles. They came from similar law firms. They have even worked together. Um, And that creates that kind of unlevel playing field and can lead to these seemingly slap-on-a-wrist cases um, for well-to-do people. All right, folks. uh, We're wrapping it up. If uh, you by any chance know of a miscarriage of justice where somebody got off with a wrist slap and they should be rotting behind bars uh why don't you uh give us shoot us an email what's the email there alex it's editors at frontpagedetectives.com we're more than happy to talk to you about it and if we can we will be happy to do a story and highlight some of these uh, miscarriages of justice not only on front page detectives but here at the all rise podcast and I'll be the first in line to dig up the story. Yep, and get hung up on by plenty of people. The Doug Montero trademark. That's right. Coming after you, baby. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We had some uh, things we definitely had to talk about today. Um, we hope you're enjoying your holiday season, however you choose to spend it. Um, and we hope you join us next week.